Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel, you're gonna find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is gonna be on there. You're gonna find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts, all that you can follow along with. And the best part is that it's completely free. They're also around 10 to 20 minutes long, meaning if you're short of time, you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout. New workouts will go live on the channel every Tuesday and Thursday and they're gonna be accompanied by an amazing backdrop, which I'm sure you're all gonna enjoy. So if you wanna find the channel, just search Elliot Hassoon into YouTube and you'll find it very easily. And please subscribe. It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today's episode is one that I felt needed to be recorded. I recently created an episode on how to maintain your social life whilst on your health and fitness journey and today's episode falls within that same bracket. It's one of those ones that you're going to refer back to. It's one of those ones that's going to stand the test of time and hopefully you can utilize this long into the future for each holiday you go on. So as I'm recording this, we're in July, we're in the thick of summer. And if you're in the UK, you might not be thinking that, but we certainly are. And although holidays weren't necessarily possible for all of us this time last year, it seems like a lot more of us this year are making the most of the travel restrictions easing a little bit, and we are heading off on holiday. And this might even be your first holiday since the lockdown, since the pandemic begun. And if it is, I hope that you have a super, super incredible time and you enjoy every second of it. And of course, if you have got some health and fitness goals, or even if you don't necessarily but you don't want to come back from your holiday being two, three, or maybe even four kilos or more heavier than you left, then you'll start to be thinking about how you can at least maintain your body composition whilst you're away or even maybe still make some progress too. So this for me, when I'm working with my clients at EHC, is one of the most empowering things that we can do together. Like I've had people go on holidays for 20, 30, even 40 years before they started working with us. And before they started, they believed that holidays just like most of us, equal weight gain. And then the time comes around, they're beginning to get some nervousness about heading on holiday and the impact it will have on their physique. But then we discuss it in advance. We put a plan in place. We deliver all the information that they need and they carry over those good habits that they built at home. And they come back within touching distance of where they left 
or they've made progress. It's an amazing feeling. The best part of this, and most of the time this happens, is that they come back saying they enjoyed themselves just as much as they have done on their holidays, and sometimes even say they enjoyed themselves more and realize that a lot of the excess eating and drinking was just unnecessary. And unless they were on this journey, they would have never had the opportunity to realize this. And when you do it once, you have that skill for life. Let's say you go on two holidays or more a year. You might have 80 to 100, if not more, holidays to go on in the future, which is a very, very nice uh, thing to think about. But at the same time, it's like knowing how to navigate these and not gain a huge amount of weight or compromise your goals or disrupt your momentum is a very, very powerful skill to have. And I want to highlight a message from a client of mine recently, who I'm sure he wouldn't mind sharing this. And he reported this in one of his check-ins when he returned from his holidays, said, I had a great holiday. I felt so much more confident in my body than my last holiday in September. I was conscious of my eating most of the time and made some really positive steps in my learning for the future. I learned that just going away, eating rubbish and drinking like I usually would was just an excuse. So I was careful this time. And he's now on another holiday as I record this, carrying out the same approach and continuing to enjoy himself. He's taken his learnings from the first holiday and he's doing even better on this one. So I'm really excited about this. I want to give you guys this information. And that is why we're going through today's topic. So I'm going to break this down into segments. We'll begin with before the trip begins, the traveling aspect, something that we don't actually acknowledge usually, but makes a huge, huge difference. Then I'm going to go into your approach to training, expenditure whilst you're away. And then finally, what I'd recommend your approach to nutrition will be. And then we'll finish off with some quick fire points. And before we begin, if you're not heading on a vacation, holiday, whatever you want to call it, and you're heading on business slash work travel, a lot of the information in this podcast will be applicable, but I'll make sure that in the future, I'll create another episode or a segment uh, to address this and the different nuances between the two. So let's get into it. And the first and only place to start is your mindset. We've all heard of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Let me just give you a quick definition if you've not heard of this. A self-fulfilling prophecy is the socio-psychological phenomenon of someone predicting or expecting something and this prediction or expectation coming true simply because the person believes it will and the person's resulting behaviors align to fulfill the belief. I'm sure you know what I'm going to say. Before we even go into the practicalities of your time away, your mindset needs to be addressed. You need to be willing to accept that you can make progress. You can stay on track. And although you might have not built your bank of evidence yet, think of all the things that are different compared to the last time you went on holiday. This time around, you are planning in advance. You're listening to this podcast and gaining knowledge you didn't have before. You're setting an intention. You probably have better health and fitness habits. And maybe you even have a coach or friends and family members that can help you with accountability. All of these things should help with the belief that this can in fact happen. If you go in expecting that you won't make progress, it will be too hard, then it will be. But the only reason it will be is because you made it that way. The reality is that I'm yet to find myself in a situation where I found it literally impossible to at least make some good choices when it comes to my health and fitness. And to give you some context, if you're listening today and you don't really know my story that well, like I'm constantly traveling. Since this time last year, I spent 
about four to six weeks in Poland, probably like six, yeah, six or seven weeks in Poland, months in Lisbon, weeks in Dubai, months in the UK, back to Dubai, went to Istanbul. I'm currently in Barcelona and will be traveling for the next six to eight weeks. Of course, these weren't all holidays, but I've learned how to navigate the traveling aspect in terms of getting on the planes, navigating those, how to handle hotels with limited options, etc. It really can be done. So this is where we have to start. Going back to a few episodes ago, we cannot go in with the all or nothing mindset. Even though we can still make progress, being 100% on point is just not feasible for the most part. And the mindset we need to approach this with is making the best choices that we possibly can. Okay, on to the next. And this is something that if you are determined, and I mean really determined to continue making progress, that you'll want to heavily consider. If you're keen to just maintain where you are or be within touching distance, it will slightly differ, but you still want to think about it, but it won't weigh in as heavily in your decision making. So this is location and accommodation. So let's start with location. So let's take Dubai as a good example. If you've been there in recent years, you'll probably have realized that you can literally get just about anything and they will also make an effort to meet your needs, especially if you're in a hotel on holiday. Egg white omelet, no problem. Cooking with minimal oil, no problem. Dressing on the side, no problem. A hotel with a gym, highly likely. A nearby supermarket, healthy delivery options, highly likely. Whereas if you're going to a tiny island somewhere in Europe, it's highly highly unlikely that you're going to have as much accessibility. If you're keen to stay on track, this is a major consideration. If you do have the intentions to train, we'll touch on this later, but a small hotel in a city or town or village, I should say, that barely has Wi-Fi is unlikely to have one on site or even within the vicinity of where you're staying. I remember being in Cinque Terre, if I remember correctly, I was in Rio Maggiore and this was the time where I was really keen to find a gym when traveling. Uh, This were in the very early days of my traveling. And I remember having to go like 30 to 40 minutes, if not longer, to find a gym. And there was like absolutely no chance of it being in the hotel. And if I was to go again, I wouldn't be going to a gym. It was just that far away. So of course you can always do body weight work in your hotel room, but your location will make a big impact on the ease and the accessibility of you staying on track. So it's something to bear in mind if you're really, really keen to stay on point. The next is your accommodation. I get questions all the time about how I stay in shape whilst traveling. And the key to my success is that I rarely stay in hotels. And if I do, it's for a short period of time as I want to be able to cook my own food and I'll always stay in rental apartments. I wouldn't say this is an absolute non-negotiable for me, as I have now learned how to manage hotels. However, if I'm doing a stay that's beyond a week or two, I'm staying in an apartment as it's just so much easier and you get those cooking facilities. I can hear people saying now, Elliot, I don't want to cook on holiday and I totally hear you. But the reason I still opt for this and when I tend to advise this for my clients is that you don't have to cook every single meal. Let's say you just have your breakfast at the apartment every day, right? You get to start your day off with some protein. You don't have to worry about what's going into the meal and you've gotten your day off to a good start. Maybe you're like me and you love going out for breakfast. So instead you decide to do lunch at home instead, or even you just occasionally have a home cooked dinner. Let's say you do three meals a day and you're away for 10 days, right? 30 meals, nice and simple. A, it's going to be challenging to keep those 30 meals under control. B, I don't know about you guys, but after a certain amount of meals out, I kind of want to get back to prepping my own food. Like just a personal preference, but you might know what I mean if you, if you go away a lot. See, let's say you control just one meal a day. 
you've now regained 33% of control back of your meals. I personally think this is worth it. You can also prep your own snacks. You can control the amount of alcohol you have and you can you know, control desserts too, actually. And I really think this is worth considering if you are very keen on staying on track. If you're staying in a hotel, it's totally doable. But as you won't be preparing any of your food, you are leaving it in the hands of others. And to add to the accommodation section, if a hotel has a gym, they'll display it on their website or on booking.com or wherever you're looking for it. So you'll want to look out for this, look out for the fitness suite, and you might find that you're choosing between two accommodations. Yet yeah, one has a gym on site and one doesn't. And even if the equipment is limited, having it on site is much, makes it much more likely for you to get your workout in. So I would just say that you have to keep your expectations low when it comes to the uh, gyms in hotels. However, at the same time, it will be helpful. And if you do end up staying in an apartment, like depending on where you stay, you may still have access to a gym within like the apartment residence or the or the surrounding areas. Or what you can do is use my trick, which is type in the address of the hotel or the apartment or wherever you're staying into Google Maps and then search for gyms within that area. Scope these out ahead of time. See if there's information on their website about guest passes, etc. Usually there isn't, but it's good to do your research and then try and pick the closest and nicest gym you can possibly find. You can do this when you get there, but if you're like me and you love having as much information as possible, then it does really really help. So on to the next one. Now that we've considered location and accommodation, I want you to think about what you're packing. Protein powder, your training shoes, resistance band, some travel scales, supplements. You don't have to take them all, but just think about what would serve you best. If you're going to be eating out a lot, protein powder will help you bump up your protein within your meals. I'm a big fan of like going out for just, you know, sourdough, eggs, and avocado on toast, right? You know, we're not getting that much protein there. But if I know that before I go, I just have a quick protein shake, I hit 25 grams of protein. I can eat anything after that because I don't have to worry about hitting my protein. So it's really helpful. If you're not going to a gym, your resistance bands will come in handy for your hotel workouts. Maybe you're going for a long holiday and you want to keep an eye on your weight. So travel scales make sense. You can find these available in other countries, but it's worth having them on hand and it really doesn't take up that much room in your suitcase. So final consideration ahead of traveling is the lead up. Let's take two examples here. You're flying high because you've smashed your training, your nutrition, your cardio. Sleep for the past five weeks has been phenomenal. Your coach is super pleased with your results. And yeah, I definitely would be if you've been smashing it for five weeks versus another person who's missing training sessions. They're going off track on the weekends. Their progress is stagnant or they're even regressing. And your coach just like myself, is not pleased with your efforts at this moment in time. So who do you think in this scenario is going to have a more positive holiday from a health and fitness perspective? I'm pretty sure it's going to be our person who's riding high. Momentum is with them and momentum is powerful. If you're going on holiday, you're feeling good about your progress, feeling good about your body. You've got an incentive to keep this up versus if you stumble into it, you don't feel like you're making progress and you're a bit disheartened you will probably not step up your game. So if you have got a holiday on the horizon, take this as your sign to step up your game. Not only so you can go on the holiday in the best shape possible, but you can set the tone of what's to come. Finally, another thing to consider in the lead up is that you can pull back on some calories or do some extra cardio and use some of the strategies that I gave you on the maintaining your social life episode. But we won't go into those for now. They're all on episode 35, which I'm going to refer to regularly throughout this episode. So make sure you listen to it after this one if you haven't already. 
So those are some of the things you want to consider ahead of going on your trip, which are certainly going to help you. And on to the next section, which is the traveling and transit time itself. This is so overlooked and has tripped me up many times in the past too. We've got to think about this. Sometimes, you know, let's say you're setting off for like a, a midday flight like there's times where you might leave depending on how far you are from the airport, like 6 a.m. in the morning and not be at your hotel in the other place by like 12, 14 hours later. And we don't consider this, but it makes a big, big impact. So before we go into anything, the easiest and most effective thing you can do on your travels days is to stay as hydrated as possible. And I know you're probably tired of me saying this by now, but it will help in so many ways. And I know it won't be top of your mind. So especially once you're on the flight, my pro tip is to pick an aisle seat so you don't have to worry about getting up to use the bathroom regularly, but hydrate throughout the entire day. So the next thing to consider is your departure time and the flight duration as well. So a couple of simple things here. If you're flying in the morning, consider making your own breakfast or fasting. If you're flying around lunchtime, consider having a light breakfast and potentially taking a snack on board with you. If you're flying in the evening, eat your regular meals in the lead up and have an early dinner if you can. You're probably getting the idea that we're trying to control as much as we can before we fly. And if you can, of course, stick to your own meals. This will be your safest bet. If, for example, you have an 8 p.m. flight and you actually want to eat your dinner at the airport, this is a viable option. Just scope out the airport first, get a rough idea of where you're going to go and what you'll choose so you can plan the rest of your day around this. If you're flying out from some of the bigger airports, you'll have an abundance of options too. So try and make that call in advance so you don't get tempted by, you know, Shake Shack or somewhere that's offering the biggest, uh, largest buffet or burger that you can find. So on to the next, and it might be a controversial one for some who love to get free food, but try and avoid the plain food people. I can't remember the last time I ate plain food and I really do my best to avoid this at all costs. I don't care what airline you're traveling on, it's usually going to be some form of a microwave meal. And it's highly unlikely that they're sourcing top quality, organic, nutrient-dense ingredients. Like, I'm sorry, people, but it's just not going to be happening. But Elliot, what if I have a long-haul flight? So I give you a couple of options here. The first one is fast throughout the flight. If you're quite good at fasting or you even have an overnight flight, this is quite a good option. You'll probably be the one who's winning from a digestion standpoint as well. Or option B, which is my more favorite option, is eat plenty before you fly and have something prepared in flight. For my most recent trip to Dubai, I think I was flying around 2 p.m. I had my normal breakfast because I wasn't traveling at that point. I packed an egg white omelet. I got some pre-cooked chicken from the supermarket, some rice cakes. And then when I got to the airport, I went to a prep. I brought two of their dairy-free oat pots and ate uh, my egg white omelet and one of those oat pots at the time. This was around like 12 to 1 p.m. And then around 3 p.m. I had a protein shake that I already had like the powder in my bottle and just had to top it up with my water in the early stages of the flight. Then around 6 p.m., which was technically 10 p.m. at my destination, I decided to have my last meal, which was my pre-cooked chicken that I got from that supermarket earlier, the rice cakes, the oat pot, and I believe I had some dark chocolate too. Local time was going to be something along the lines of midnight or 1 a.m. by the time I landed, so I knew that I wouldn't be eating again. Uh, so I just went straight to bed when I landed and it felt pretty good in my stomach because of... I didn't uh, have any plain food and I also ate well in advance. So if you are relying on plain food and if I was relying on plain food on that day, I dread to think how my stomach would have felt. So always have a plan and always have a plan when you land to the arrival sections at an airport 
are usually nowhere near as good as the departures. So you want to be mindful here and not get caught in this trap of being hungry as soon as you land. If you are and you have like, you know, a bit of a long trip to the hotel or something along those lines, try and think about having like a diet beverage, like a diet Coke or a sugar-free whatever, maybe some coffee, some tea, something that will keep your hunger at bay until you have some better options. Same goes for the return flight too. I guarantee at least, let's say 70% of the people who are listening are part of the crew who would have said maybe in the past maybe not after they listen to this you know when they get back let's just order a takeaway when we get back from a holiday because you know there's no food in the fridge we're technically still on holiday it's our last day don't get caught in this trap you're not going to make good decisions after a long day of traveling with nothing in the fridge if you know this will be the case try and think ahead of time if you're ordering from like a delivery or uber eats get a grilled chicken salad or a tofu salad there will be an option just plan it in advance and you'll thank yourself later all right, so you've now landed. Your holidays begin. Woohoo! This is where your mindset again really needs to kick in. And I want to share a story that will probably resonate with a lot of you. I remember having a conversation with a client years ago who was going on his first holiday. I think it was uh, 2019 or something along the lines of that. And he said to me, I just don't want to think about training and what I'm eating when I'm on holiday. I just want to relax. So some coaches may say, hey, you deserve it. Go enjoy yourself. You know, we'll pick things back up when you come. Not me. (laughs) I knew this guy had a growth mindset and he was just yet to see how his own words were preventing him from making the progress that he wants to. So I had to challenge him. So I responded back with something along the lines of, why can't you relax whilst being mindful of your nutrition and with some exercise involved? Outside of the 45 minutes that you may dedicate to exercise in a day, the other 23 hours and 15 minutes are all going to be dedicated to relaxing. You choose to fit your training in when you're doing your intense 12-hour workdays, but when you have a whole day free, it's not something you find yourself having the time to do. Isn't the relaxation coming from the time spent with your family, the time away from work, the change in environment, the time spent outdoors in the sun, and maybe even the extra sleep? What makes choosing pasta instead of a chicken breast more relaxing? What makes having one glass of wine with dinner less relaxing than having a whole bottle? I honestly don't think I threw this many points at him, but I did say, you know what? Don't rush to respond. Take your time to work through these. And he came back to me with the growth mindset I knew he had, saw the validity in many of the points that I made and realized that the whole idea of relaxation was just conditioning from the past, associations that he created, not reality. He realized that it didn't have to be all or nothing. And in fact, if he wanted to maintain his results in the long term, he really had to make sure that he did learn how to navigate these scenarios. It was a huge win for both of us. And when he came back from his holiday within touching distance of where he left from a bodyweight perspective, it was because he challenged his own assumptions. You must do this, especially if you're not someone who necessarily loves training or eating healthily all the time. And if you share a similar thought process to the guy I spoke about, then think of some of those earlier points and ask yourself, where are they coming from? So let's get started with your training and activity when you are away. So let's start with the easy one, which is steps. Realistically, I don't see any reason why these should suffer a great deal. Unless you're in a resort or you're sunbathing like the entire day, then usually your exploration, your walks around the city, the beach, that's the things that are going to cover your steps. And I'd be proactive about this too. If you see that there's a really nice breakfast spot that's 30 minutes away on foot, but like a 13 minute Uber ride, save your money, get the steps in and turn it into an opportunity to sightsee and get to know the city on the way to breakfast. 
Walking around cities is my favorite way to get to know a place. And most of these European cities are walkable and it's the best way to see them. And you really do get a good feel for the places. If you're heading to the beach, take a super long walk down the shore, put some headphones in maybe, and just enjoy the views. You'll still get a solid tan and it'll probably be even more even because you're not having to, you know, switch around on the towel all the time. So I usually set a timer on my watch, maybe for like 15 to 20 minutes. I walk in one direction and when the timer goes off, I walk back to where my towel is, chill for a bit. Maybe I'll do that two to three times during the day. I genuinely enjoy moving around more than laying in one spot for the entire day. So it really makes a difference just to get up, get yourself moving, get your body moving, and also a good opportunity to take a dip in the sea as well. So steps is a pretty easy one. However, if you are with your family and it's proving to be more challenging than you expected, set aside some time in the day to get out for a walk or visit the gym to dedicate some time to the steps. Maybe you wake up 45 minutes before your family and head down to the gym to do a power walk and bank three or four thousand steps before the day really begins. Perhaps your wife or your husband, you know, maybe they take longer than you to get ready. So take advantage of the time before dinner to get some extra steps in. I try and do these in the most enjoyable way possible. So if you can stay off the treadmill, ideally you will. But if not, it's always there. And you know, if you have a gym, probably going to have AC, which will be likely to be welcome too. So on to training and cardio now. This is really going to be personal preference and also the way your day is set up depending on what you've got planned uh, but if you've got like a hike that kicks off at 7 a.m and finishes off around like 2 to 3 p.m for example like this is probably gonna suffice for your activity for the day personally i want to do something active every day when i'm on holidays especially if it's more of a relaxed one and if you do have like three to four resistance training sessions or cardio sessions planned in your week i'd encourage you to get those completed as i mentioned earlier we exercise during our super busy and stressful weeks so why not make the most of the extra sleep the extra relaxation and probably the extra food too but when you do think about training try and not think about it like your full-blown sessions you might complete at home if your sessions are usually an hour long maybe you just do 30 to 40 minutes instead of your traditional programming perhaps you just go and have some fun and do what you fancy and make the most of the equipment that you've not seen before for the most part it's quite unlikely you're going to have an unbelievably well-equipped gym either so you know it makes it makes it worthwhile to make it fun and just efficient to be completely honest so if you have the opportunity to do so and you want to maintain your good training momentum, then you can totally do your normal sessions. But if your hotel is running a hit circuit that sounds appealing to you, I don't think anyone has put hit circuit and appealing in the same sentence, but I digress, but go for it. I think the key is to not feel obligated to do it, but instead doing something that you want to do that keeps you active. Unfortunately, I've made a ton of bad decisions in the past when it comes to exercising whilst traveling and on holidays, which brings me on to the next part, which which is picking your time to train. I remember being in Mexico and it wasn't really practical to go to the gym first thing in the morning. It was a drive away. And in all honesty, taking it easy in the morning and having a slow breakfast was way more appealing than going to the gym. However, when it came around to the afternoon, when it was actually time to train or when I planned to, I wouldn't want to. I'd feel lazy and unenergetic. I'd go back and forth for myself. And in reality, I'd probably prefer to nap. And on some days I did, but long story short, it led to indecision and guilt if I didn't go. This is not what you want when you're on holiday. So try and pick your timing smartly. In hindsight, I would have picked the morning. And if I missed the morning slot, it was going to either be a quick bodyweight workout blast or no workout at all. Driving to the gym and dragging yourself through a workout that you really don't want 
want to do, especially when you're on holiday, is not fun at all. So be easy on yourself. Set an intention, but if life gets in the way, go with the flow and try and go the next day. If someone's asking you to play beach volleyball, but you plan to go to the gym to do cardio on the bike, this should be a no-brainer. It should be about activity over exercise. It's only going to be a week or two. It's not going to kill you to not follow your program. Another approach you can take is to be strategic and actually take a break from the gym. You might have heard of the concept of a deload before. This is kind of a period where you strategically reduce the amount of weight volume you do in the gym as a way for your body, nervous system, etc., to recover a bit. And you may actually reduce the weight and volume entirely and just take some days off. This is totally a viable option and you might opt to do this at the beginning of your holiday just so you can get your body nice and rested. You get a good chance to get some sleep and get some really a jet lag too. This can be a really nice approach to use for like the first three or four days of your holidays. You're just getting settled in and then you can exercise for the remainder of it. Another approach you might want to use is the one day on, one day off approach, which is actually as simple as it sounds. You exercise on one day and you take a rest the next and so on. A lot of this will really come down to your goals and your current commitment levels as well. If you can plan this out in advance, it really helps with indecision and also helps you get it done if you do choose to do so. But as I mentioned, like I'd always, encourage you to stay as active as possible and you'll feel much better for it. And on to nutrition, which I'm sure you've all been waiting for. Your success here is quite simply going to come down to your decision making. I'm going to repeat that. Your success here is quite simply going to come down to your decision making. It's really as simple as that. I never expect anyone to hit their macros slash calories to perfection whilst they're on holiday. It's sometimes not even feasible and it would be a bit of a pain to even attempt it, but you can always, 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 always make good choices. But Elliot, what if there's literally nothing healthy available to me? Highly unlikely, but then it comes down to making the best decisions around portion control. It's not about making the most optimal decision ever, it's making the best decision within your circumstances. When my clients go away, I tell them that realistically, what we want to focus on the most is total daily calories, frequent servings of protein, and if we can keep our foods looking somewhat similar to what they do at home, then amazing. I'm not a big fan of someone having pancakes for breakfast during the entirety of their holiday when they'd usually have eggs or toast or whatever, right? Yes, you might want to have pancakes one or two times, but completely turning your diet on its head is never going to end well. So there's an abundance of different options you can go through when it comes to your daily structure of your meals. But for the sake of simplicity, I want to run you through three of them. So quite a common option for most holiday goers is the half board option. And you can actually use this for your nutrition as well as the way your meals are set up. So let's say you generally eat 1500 calories in a day. My advice to a lot of people is to have a heavier and perhaps even a later breakfast. And for someone who's eating 1500 calories, a 600 to 650 calorie breakfast is usually going to be a solid amount of food. As you'd had that late breakfast and a bigger one, you probably won't be hungry for a little while. So I advise you to skip lunch and opt for something like a protein shake with some fresh fruit, berries, watermelon, etc. I mean, if you're really hungry, which is unlikely, maybe you can have like a chicken salad, something really light around 3 or 4 p.m. And then if you aim to stay super hydrated, you have a couple of decaf coffees, you probably won't be hungry again until the evening. And when dinner comes around, you have those other 600 to 650 calories remaining to use for dinner. And that's usually going to be enough for a starter and a main or a main and a dessert, as long as your portion sizes are kept in a good place. 
I personally favor this approach. I love breakfast and will always make the most of it, but I don't mind having a small lunch on or something super simple. And then obviously I can have a good dinner. On to the next, which will favor those who like the intermittent fasting approach, which is intermittent fasting essentially. Skip your breakfast entirely, opt for coffee or tea, plenty of water, and then have lunch around 1 or 2 p.m. And you know, if you have a snack in between, just like I mentioned, if you're hungry out throughout the afternoon, and then you can have your late dinner too. You're down to those two main meals once again. And if you're not a breakfast person, this will work better than option one. Another option, if you want to stick to three square meals, is to identify which one of those you'll want to have more freedom at. Let's say you want to have pasta dinner with some wine. You'd simply opt to keep the first two meals high in protein, relatively low calorie, leaving the vast majority of your calories for the evening meal. It'll be the other way around if you're keen on breakfast. You have your big breakfast and then your lunch and dinner are lighter and higher in protein. It really comes down to what suits your preference, but there are so many different options and I encourage you to go back to episode 35 on maintaining your social life whilst on your journey where it will refresh your memory on the one plate rule, which can be really helpful for hotel buffets, choosing the foods that you want to eat, how to pull back your calories in advance, etc. And as I mentioned earlier, this is going to be way easier to navigate if you've got your own cooking facilities as you'll have more control of your portion sizes it'll be easier to get more protein you have plenty of veg etc if you want to cook it for yourself if you're looking to stay on point as much as you possibly can i do think this will be a good way to go and just a quick note on the people who will quote unquote want to get their money's worth People, it's your health and well-being. You don't have to fill yourself up unnecessarily. Yes, you paid for it, but if you're eating more than you usually would just because you can, think about your health and wellness. Think about your body and keeping it in the best position. I don't think filling yourself unnecessarily just because you can is a wise move whatsoever. Same goes for finishing what's on your plate. Just because it came with fries doesn't mean you need to eat the fries. You can always ask for the meal not to come with fries if you don't want them in the first place. This comes back to the mindset stuff, which you'll constantly have to keep looking out for. So Elliot, what about alcohol, desserts, and other indulgences that I want to enjoy? So there is nothing stopping you at all from enjoying these things. Obviously, if you've got a time-sensitive goal in mind, this will be limited and you may even have to make a call on whether it's worth it or not. However, if you are on holiday, you will have access to foods, drinks you might not usually have, and you may want to enjoy them. Like this is normal and welcome too. The key is really simple. Use your common sense. If you've had a starter and a big main meal, is having a cheesecake for a dessert really a wise move? If you went a bit overboard with the breakfast buffet, do you want to be doing the same with your dessert options? If you had a heavy night of drinking, does opening a bottle of wine the next evening really make sense? It's common sense and moderation. And do your best not to compare yourself to the prior version of yourself. This can be useful at times, but if you come back from holiday and say, well, I only had five desserts and got drunk twice, had put on three kilos, this can be useful at times. But if you come back from holiday and say, well, you know, I had five desserts, I got drunk twice, I only came back two kilos heavier, the previous me would have got drunk the entire time, would have been eating all day, and I would have been seven kilos heavier. Yes, your efforts might have been better than the previous version of yourself, but what about the highest and most intentional version of yourself? What would they have done? Maybe share a few desserts. 
got a little tipsy but knew their limits, this will be a better reference point for most of us as it's not really going to be that hard to meet our prior version of ourselves. So the closing message is that it's going to be challenging to meet your daily macros and calories here. So focus mainly on protein and your daily calorie intake and just don't be a reckless human being. So I'm going to wrap this up with some quick fire tips to add on to what we've already spoken about. So let's get into them. First, utilize periods of fasting to help control calories and keep digestion in a good place. Next, hydrate continuously, maybe one to two more liters than you usually would at home. Aim for plenty of food volume through veg and salad. Next, have a rough idea of when you exercise and have your meals during the day. And on the note of meals, aim to eat protein dominant meals. Next, remind yourself of your why every morning and touch base with a coach or an accountability partner to keep you on point. Use the 10 strategies I went through on episode 35 for different occasions. Plan some fun, active excursions. Next, utilize coffee, tea, and diet beverages regularly. Get back into your routine as soon as possible when you get home. Take your supplements with you. Don't dwell on any slip-ups, wipe the slate clean and try again the next day. And on that note, reflect when you get back and ask yourself, where could have I done better and keep this in mind for next time? And most importantly, enjoy your time away. The enjoyment should come from spending time in a stress-free environment with yourself, your friends, family, as opposed to the food and the drink that you're consuming. So guys, I really, really hope this helps. And I hope that some of you have this in your ears as you are flying to a wonderful exotic destination. And I didn't mention this earlier, but if you are taking a holiday, I am incredibly happy to hear this. So many of us skipped these or weren't able to last year due to the pandemic. So I'm so glad you're taking the opportunity to unwind and recharge the vitamin d will serve you well stay safe guys thank you so much for listening take care and we'll speak soon and that was the simply fit podcast i hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode i feel inspired to improve your health and well-being be sure to search for simply fit in apple podcasts google podcasts and spotify or anywhere else you get your podcast from and go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.